0: The free online Issues, etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. I'm trying to get you out of this malaise of thinking that Jesus and the disciples were poor. The Bible says that He has left us an example that we should follow His steps. That's the reason why I drive a Rolls Royce. I'm following Jesus' steps. That is the late Fred Price, a word faith teacher. So how did something that used to be the purview of early morning television, televangelists, and the Trinity Broadcasting Network become basically mainstream teaching, especially in charismatic churches, the Word, Faith, Prosperity Gospel? Welcome back to Issues, Etc. Joining us to answer that question and others about the prosperity gospel, Pastor Chris Rosebro. He's pastor of Konzvinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota, creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith and author of a column for the August issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Prosperity Gospel, A Heresy of False Promises. Chris, welcome back. Thanks for having me back, Todd. How would one know if they're hearing a
1: teacher of the Prosperity Gospel? Teachers of the Prosperity Gospel are overtly positive, and it's almost tyrannical in its positivity. And what I mean by that is is that these are people who will really emphasize the need for Christians to make positive, faith-filled confessions and even go so far as to chastise or rebuke those who speak the truth about their situation so if you go to the doctor and you get a bad report from the doctor and the doctor says you're going to need surgery and you have something wrong with you the person who is a a, a prosperity heretic or somebody along these lines they will encourage you to look into the mirror and say i am healthy i am prosperous i have Perfect health and never to say the words I have been diagnosed with XYZ disease or problem because they believe at their core that the world that we live in is is a manifestation of the words and the attitudes and the thoughts that we have so if you're having a negative outcome in your life that's because you have spoken those things into existence by your words and so they constantly teaching you to not come in agreement with the negative things in your life because if you say i can't pay my bills i'm not feeling well i've been diagnosed with cancer they all consider those to be powerful words that create those negative realities therefore people who are into the prosperity gospel or otherwise known as the word of faith they are overtly constantly trying to get you to basically affirm that you are perfectly healthy wealthy and wise and things like this and in a very real way deny the reality of your suffering and your circumstances how has this prosperity gospel come to
0: dominate certainly charismatic churches but also many
1: evangelical churches Great question. And and that, that took place over a long period of time. And the, the fellow who originally created the word of faith doctrine itself that has become the prosperity heresy was a 19th and 20th century preacher by the name of E.W. Kenyon. And where he was living, the mind science cults had really kind of taken over popular culture where he was living at that time. And he specifically set out to find a way to kind of adapt Christian doctrine to fit with the Christian science cult and positive thought and things like this. And he was the fellow who initially created the word of faith. And he might have languished in obscurity if it weren't for the fact that after World War II, a towering figure in the charismatic and Pentecostal churches by the name of Kenneth Hagan, He he legitimately plagiarized Kenyon's doctrines and his views. In fact, lifted stuff out of his books which were pretty obscure at the time, almost word for word. And so this is a well documented fact about what Kenneth Hagen did. And Hagen's ministry is what basically put the turbojet on Kenyon's doctrine and brought it into the mainstream of charismatic and Pentecostal churches because of just how popular and towering of a figure that Kenneth Hagan was. He is the fellow like primarily responsible for the TBN folks that w- you and I would have been exposed to back in the 80s and 90s they were the direct descendants theological descendants of Kenneth Hagin and so this would include Ken Copeland and others in fact Joyce Meyer heavily influenced by uh, Kenneth Hagin and so Hagin is the guy who popularized Kenyon's views and if it weren't for uh, Hagan, I I don't think that the word of faith would have as much traction as it does today, but because of the person who really championed its its ideas, Kenneth Hagin, that's the reason why it has taken such a hold in so many churches. So
0: what are some of the big names of the prosperity gospel today that our listeners might recognize?
1: So Joel Osteen is probably the most prominent one that people would be aware of. Kenneth Copeland obviously is still around, and his grandson is kind of taking up the mantle. Uh, So anybody who's a Copeland, Benny Hinn is a purveyor of this. Uh, And then you you think of the late Fred Price and others. These are the people who have championed it in the past, but today it's so ubiquitous. It's so infiltrated, the uh, charismatic and Pentecostal churches, that practically all of them (laughs) i hate to say it's like the mainstream of of the charismatic movement bill johnson is another purveyor of these doctrines and these beliefs, although he's not he's not considered to be your like mainstream prosperity heresy uh, guy, it's still he buys into the major tenets of it. So I think it's harder to find charismatic and Pentecostal churches that do not believe some of these tenets today than to find ones that uh, that that do. In fact, finding ones that do—they're all over the place. Finding ones that are fighting against it—that's hard to find.
0: You mentioned Joel Osteen. And someone might watch him and say, I don't hear him actually saying kind of the creedal points of the word-faith movement. He will talk about it. It's there. There's no doubt about it. Why is he so circumspect? His father wasn't. Why is he so circumspect when promoting this theology as many other prosperity gospel teachers aren't?
1: So Osteen, I think, is one of these fellows that is conflict-averse and has learned that uh, that if you take the prosperity heresy or the word of faith and find a way to focus on purely the positive and not be like kind of apologetically combative the way his father was in, in promoting it against other doctrines and things like this, Joel Osteen really stays in his lane and practices what he preaches and doesn't really give air to his critics and just Chugs ahead in feeding the people that follow him on television, on the internet, and also in his congregation of just living out by example, speaking these positive things. And so I can't even remember the last time I heard Joel Osteen like even mention a critic by name or even, you know, a, a criticism. And so as a result of it, he just puts out this constant drumbeat of. Be positive, use your faith intentionally, speak these faith-filled words, see these positive results in your life, and then he just does it Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And uh, and as a result of it, he's, he's not really interested in doing systematic theology. In fact, the best way I can describe his sermons are, this is word of faith doctrine applied, it's always a master class on application with him, and, and that's part of the reason why he's as popular as he is, because by putting these positive words out, he attracts people who are legitimately experiencing suffering in their life as a result of the consequences of sin, and they're looking for solutions. And uh, he seems so likable, he's so positive, and so they'll they'll try anything and one has to wonder how long they they survive under that teaching because God is never bound to uh, basically make good on any of the promises that Joel Osteen teaches because Joel Osteen is making promises for God that God has never made. Okay when you start to mine the
0: word faith teaching for its kind of theological premises it becomes truly bizarre How do they reach the conclusion? What are the theological steps they take to reach the conclusion that I, as a spirit-filled believer, can create reality, positive
1: or negative, with my words? What are the roots of that? So the roots of that are legitimately in the mind-science cults and it's not found in scripture but their basic theological premise is one that you have to kind of buy into outside of the biblical text itself they'll try to make allusions to it by going back to the book of genesis and so when you hear kenneth copeland or kenneth hagen talking about genesis chapter one in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and god said let there be light and there was light They will always use that text as an example of, look, even God exercised faith-filled words, and through his faith-filled words, he created the heavens and the earth. And so in different forms of the word faith doctrine is the belief that because we are created in the image of God, we ourselves are little gods, we are little deities. And so that creates then a false biblical foundation for then the primary assumption is that everything in your life that manifests physically has a spiritual genesis and so if you are speaking faith-filled words of negativity that's the reason why you're experiencing suffering and poverty and difficulty and things like this however if you make a perfect confession and this is one of Kenyon's big points that he makes in his books, is that we need to confess with our mouths perfectly without saying any of the negative stuff. If we confess with our mouths perfectly and have true faith that these promises that they're making, they're claiming are in Scripture out of context, that uh, if we have perfect faith and perfect confession, then those things must manifest in our lives in the same way that uh, the universe manifested when God said, let there be light and when there was light.
0: We're talking with Pastor Chris Roseborough fighting for the faith about the prosperity gospel. And we'll discuss the false Jesus of the prosperity gospel next. The free online Issues Etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. When you hear the word heresy, what do you think of? Do you think of some ancient debate the church has gotten over and forgotten? Do you think of some stubby old theologians just arguing over things that don't matter? There's a lot more to heresies than you might think. And that's what the August issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about. Heresies, ancient and modern. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website, witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical Curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step, classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR 23 to save on your order. simplyclassical.com The Lord has gifts of forgiveness, life, and salvation— These gifts can be received every week at both Grace Lutheran Church and Trinity Lutheran Church in Wichita, Kansas. Join us for divine services at Grace on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 4.30 p.m., as well as every Wednesday at 11 a.m., or at Trinity every Sunday at 11 a.m. Grace is located at 3310 East Pawnee and Trinity at 611 South Erie. Gather with us around our Lord and His giving His gifts to us. See you soon
2: a voice in the wilderness of American evangelicalism. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Thanks to the following congregations for standing with us by becoming an Issues Etc. congregational sponsor. Christ the Shepherd Lutheran, Alpharetta, Georgia. Good Shepherd Lutheran, Lincoln, Nebraska. Emmanuel Lutheran, Appleton, Minnesota. Luther Memorial Chapel, Shorewood, Wisconsin. Our Savior Lutheran, Louisville, Kentucky. Redeemer Lutheran, Jackson, Wyoming. St. John Lutheran, Kewaskum, Wisconsin, St. Paul Lutheran, Lockport, Illinois, Trinity Lutheran, Miles City, Montana, and Zion Lutheran, Pampa, Texas. Find out how your confessional Lutheran church can support this worldwide outreach by including Issues Etc. in your mission or advertising budget. Just go to issuesetc.org, click Support, Donate, and print a one-page flyer. When your congregation becomes an Issues Etc. sponsor, we'll publicize your church on the podcast, at our website, and in the Issues Etc. journal.
2: When you meditate on the goodness of God, it will help you to have the right perspective and to release your faith. When your faith is released, God's power is activated. You will see Him show up and give you something else to put on your
0: list. That's prosperity gospel teacher, Joel Osteen, we're talking about the prosperity gospel, Pastor Chris Rosebro of Fighting for the Faith. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod chaplains deliver word and sacrament to our military personnel and their families. If you're interested in serving as a military chaplain, visit lcms.org slash armed forces, serving those who serve LCMS ministry to the armed forces, lcms.org slash armed forces. Chris, what becomes of Jesus in the Prosperity Gospel? What are their beliefs about Him?
1: So, what's fascinating is is that the life of Christ runs in direct collision to the claims of the outcomes that you're supposed to have in the word of faith. So Jesus was a fellow who didn't have a home. Jesus legitimately wasn't wealthy and rich at all. In fact, he was pretty much dependent upon charity for the ability to you know, function day to day in his ministerial work. And as a result of it, the true historic Jesus doesn't fit the mold. And so within the uh, Word of Faith, many different people within the Word of Faith, they take issue with what they read in the Gospels, and they try to recast Christ in light of the Word of Faith, basically saying it's false to believe that Jesus experienced poverty. He did not, they claim. They will turn Jesus into one of them, despite all the evidence to the contrary. And so what they're basically trying to do is recast Christ. It's a different Jesus altogether as one who operated in perfect health and wealth and that Jesus then performed miracles using his then faith-filled words. What they legitimately have a huge struggle with then is when you confront them with the fact that, hey, listen, Jesus suffered horrifically. In fact, Jesus himself, rather than speaking faith-filled words to get out of his suffering on the cross, he submitted himself in obedience to the Father, even to the point of death, even death on a cross. And Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane prays, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so what happens in the word of faith is that they have to kind of cherry-pick the Jesus they believe in by basically focusing on particular text within the Gospels while ignoring and underplaying and even directly undermining those texts that contradict their narrative. And so as a result of that, many have argued that the the Jesus of the word of faith is a different Jesus altogether. It's not the biblical Jesus. It's not the Jesus who truly exists. It's one that's been recast and adapted to fit their theological presumptions.
0: So when they say stuff, and you'll hear that from the kind of the classical teachers of the word of faith, that
1: we're little gods, take that apart. What does that mean? (laughs) It's terrifying when you consider the implications of it. And when they say that we are little gods, they use slogans like, Basically, I'll give you an example. Ken Copeland is very famous for defending this very early on and then kind of hiding it in the present. He doesn't really speak it as overtly as he did in the past. But he legitimately has said, and you can Google this, that when it says in Scripture of God, when it says that I am, I just smile back at God and I say, I am too. And so, in their theology, the analogy that they use is that dogs breed the dog kind, cats breed the cat kind, and God breeds the God kind. And since we were created in God's image, that means that we were literally created as little gods, and that is the primary heresy of all of this because what the devil convince Adam and Eve to do it in biting into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, said, you'll be like God. This is like that same heresy, that same deception, but now manifested within the word of faith and this belief that we are of the God kind. We are of the same stuff that God is, and therefore we are capable of the same miraculous deeds that God is using faith-filled words the same way God did.
0: So is this why we will hear and have heard word faith teachers, like you mentioned Joyce Meyer, refusing to acknowledge that they're sinful. I'm not poor, I'm not miserable, I'm not a sinner.
1: That's correct. And in fact, in in one of E.W. Kenyon's books, which was, you know, we're talking like, this is like 1900s, in one of his books called The Power of Positive Confession, he legitimately talks about confessing sins and notes that Christians that although they should confess their sins that this at its core is a negative confession and that's really early on in Kenyon's work and so when you go back and you listen to Joyce Meyer say I'm not poor I'm not miserable and I'm not a sinner what she's basically doing there is she's looking at certain biblical texts to the exclusion of others. So as Lutherans, we recognize that we are both sinner and saint at the same time as Christians that although we have been declared righteous and we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, we still have a sinful nature that we have to contend with until either we die or Christ returns, whichever comes first. And as a result of it, this is why we have in Romans 7, Paul saying, listen, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Because for the Christian, both are true. So what Joyce Meyer will do here is if you talk to her privately or at least off the record, she says, of course, I still sin. She's not denying that she sins, but she can't bring herself to say these words, I confess that I am by nature sinful and unclean. I've sinned against God and thought, word, and deed, and that I'm a poor, miserable sinner and things like this. She can't say those words because that's a negative confession that will create that reality. And so the person who is struggling with sin in the word of faith way of thinking, they can't confess that they are a poor, miserable sinner in need of God's forgiveness, they have to positively confess that they are a new creation in Christ. And as a result of that, they interpret that to mean, therefore, I don't have to sin. And so it's kind of a sneaky way to bring into the mix a theology that they believe would lead to a form of, uh, you know, like sinless righteousness or things like that.
0: How is this any different than just superstition if I'm going to jinx myself.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It isn't any different. I would note that it may be different in the details, but qualitatively it's the same thing. It's a a, a magical way of looking at the universe and basically foisting onto the universe a concept of cause and effect that doesn't exist in Scripture and doesn't even exist in reality. And so, you know, it, it's no different than, you know, the belief that if you step on a crack, you're going to break your mama's back. Uh, you know, I remember about that when I was a kid. And so, you know, walking down the sidewalk, making sure not to step on the cracks. But the reality is, is there were not a, a whole slew of women that were thrown onto a bed of paralysis and their backs broken because kids were stepping on sidewalk cracks. That's just not how the universe operates. But it's the same magical, superstitious kind of worldview. And unfortunately, the, the roots of this being the Christian science cult and uh, the positive thought movement and things like this, those are roots that are cultic and false and not biblical, and there's no way to redeem that. And so Kenyon's primary work, which he was overtly clear that he was trying to take the major concepts of these mind science cults, And adapt Christian doctrine to fit with them in order to make Christianity more appealing in an age when Christian science was way more popular than it was today. He ended up blending two things together that can't be mixed because when you mix biblical doctrine with heresy, you only get heresy. You don't get anything else than heresy. It's just, it's a new form of it. And unfortunately, people are legitimately mentally and spiritually bound by these principles within word of faith and so much so that uh, that they can't speak the truth about what's happening to them either in their finances or in their health and the, the the horror stories of people who've lost loved ones or who have been financially ruined because of their inability to speak the truth and recognize what's going on in their lives and get the help that they need because that would be somehow agreeing with the negative, the devastation that this wreaks in people's lives is legitimate, and the stories are multitudinous. We're talking hundreds of thousands of people whose lives have been destroyed by this type of theology, if not millions
0: what becomes of the gospel under the so-called prosperity gospel?
1: Well, considering the fact that the gospel is defined in 1 Corinthians 15 as Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture and that he was raised again on the third day in accordance with the scripture, the gospel itself is the good news of Christ's perfect, sinless, vicarious, penal, substitutionary sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins and as a result of it, Christ himself tells his apostles in Luke that they are to go and proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name to all nations. As a result of that, you'll note that this positive confession concept Runs against the grain of the call of the gospel to confess that you are a sinner and to be forgiven in Jesus Christ And on top of it the hope that we have That's clearly laid out in Scripture is not a hope that our lives here are going to be easy Instead our hope is that when Jesus returns in glory to judge the living and the dead He's going to create a new heavens and a new earth and in that new heaven and new earth There will be neither sickness nor pain or death or suffering or things like this, and we are called to patiently endure in the face of our sufferings now. So as a result of it, the whole word of faith, heresy, runs contrary to the gospel itself and cuts people off from making that basic confession, I am a sinner in need of the forgiveness of sins, and instead teaches them to confess their righteousness and their newness, and it, it legitimately cuts many of them off from the gospel itself.
0: This is Issues etc I'm Todd Wilkin. We're talking with Chris Rosebro about his article for the Lutheran Witness Magazine, Prosperity Gospel, A Heresy of False Promises. False teaching is the theme of the latest issue of the Lutheran Witness Magazine. You can receive an annual digital and print subscription for less than $20. Learn more at cph.org slash witness or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, the Lutheran Witness Magazine. On the other side, What does this theology actually do in people's lives? I like that we get to talk about these things and we hit it from a different angle. But because we love each other and because we have the same religious views, you know, church is the centerpiece of our lives. Worship is the centerpiece of our lives. Molly Hemingway speaking at the Issues Etc. making the case conference. So when we are just going back and forth on politics, it's really not that important relative to the things that do matter. In all
1: seriousness, if you do not have someone in your life that you both completely trust and regularly engage in arguments
0: with, you're doing it wrong. You can watch and listen to journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway's Q&A and all of the presentations from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a contribution of $300 by Labor Day. We'll send you links to download a podcast or watch a video stream. Order today at issuesetc.org or by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. More topics,
2: more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. Christological. My friends, Jesus comes only for sinners. Historical. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by... Sacramental.
1: Take and eat. This is the true body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, given unto death for your sins.
2: To find a Christological, historical, and sacramental church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church.
0: what else that has settled them tonight? This hue and cry and controversy
2: that has been spawned by the devil to try and bring dissension within the body of
0: Christ yeah. that we are gods. I am a little god. Yes. 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 I have his name. I'm one with him. I'm in covenant relationship. I am a little god. Critics, you are, are anything that he is. Yes. One of the original prosperity gospel teachers, Paul Crouch of the Trinity Broadcasting Network, saying, I am a little God. We're talking about the prosperity gospel. Pastor Chris Roseborough is our guest. Chris, you talked about this a little bit before, but track what this theology actually does in the lives of people.
1: It destroys them. And we're not talking in small ways over the course of my career in doing public apologetics and speaking against the Word of Faith heresy. I've had multiple, multiple conversations and received thousands of emails from people who've come out of churches that teach Word of Faith. And the stories they tell are just absolutely terrifying, from people losing their own children because their children came down with an illness and they refused to treat it. And they instead engaged in positive, faith-filled words in order to save their child's life from a disease like cancer or leukemia, things like this. And instead, they only lost their children. From people who've experienced, like legitimate breakdowns of their own of their own health through different means well, one gal in particular comes to mind she was hit by a bus legitimately hit by a bus that's the thing we always talk about getting hit by the proverbial bus but this is a, a woman who was legitimately hit by a real bus and as a result of it the neurological damage that she suffered was is continuing to affect her to this day, but she was attending a Word Faith Church at the time that it happened, and she was told that she just didn't have enough faith to be healed and was pressured all that time that she, not only that she needed to speak these positive faith-filled words, but she needed to not only tithe, but show God that she had enough faith by giving above and beyond what she had the financial ability to do and at some point it just the whole thing collapsed and she legitimately fled the city that she was leaving and her and her husband because they couldn't afford to go to that church anymore and all the while she still continues to have very severe medical problems as a result of the fact that she was hit by a bus. But all that being said, thankfully she heard the gospel and, uh, and she's come out of that. But the devastation that it's wrought in her life, the years of suffering that she went through, not only physically, but spiritually as a result of this, and the struggles that she has to this day, believing that the gospel is sufficient for her because she's got a life sentence with the neurological damage that she has. These are the types of stories that I run into almost on a daily basis. And the best way I can put it is, is that If you know anybody who's buying into this theology and they haven't yet hit that wall with some major problem in their life, point out the fact that where this theology leads will lead them to despair or uh, or you know to give up on christianity altogether when god doesn't make good on the promises that they're being promised because they aren't legitimate biblical promises nowhere in scripture does god promise to give us these outcomes instead we are promised suffering and difficulty and finally perfect health in the world to come but not in this one
0: talk about the vicious cycle on the other side of the equation in which the prosperity teacher points to his own prosperity at the expense, of course, his followers, to legitimize and to prove that his teaching is true.
1: Yeah. When you look at men like Kenneth Copeland, in fact, let's just kind of focus on him for a minute. Within the word of faith, generally the the, the guys at the top, they are kind of like people in multi-level marketing schemes. You'll note that in multi-level marketing schemes, these are all pyramid schemes, it's the people at the top of the pyramid that are doing really, really well. While the people down at the bottom of the pyramid, they're trying to figure out how to get to the top and they can never get to the top because it doesn't work that way. And so Kenneth Copeland for decades has pointed to his own wealth and the abilities that he has financially. This is a guy who owns multiple private jets. This is a guy who basically says, look at my life. This is proof that this theology is true. It really isn't proof that the theology is true. It's just proof that multi-level marketing works for the people at the top. And so, you know, he, he is held up as the person, the bright, shiny example of how this works. All the while, though, men like Copeland and others, as they get older and older, the inevitable starts happening to them. And so we recently covered the fact that Ken Copeland, despite all of his claims that all he needs to do is positively confess and that he's experienced perfect health as a result of it, he recently divulged that he has a pacemaker. And his wife is suffering from some kind of unspecified ailment and has pretty much dropped off the radar and is no longer making public appearances. But Ken Copeland, in all of this, still claims that God told him he's going to live to be 120 years old when it's clear that he ain't going to make it that much farther. And so Ken Copeland is a great example of a guy who, who tries to put on the facade that this this theology works but when you scratch the surface and look at what's really going on in his life it doesn't work and then you think of fred price this is a guy who was famous for his speaking faith-filled words and, and claiming that we can have perfect health in christ and all this kind of stuff he died of covid and all the faith-filled words spoken by him and his congregation while you know he had COVID and eventually ended up in the ICU and dying, they got nowhere. And so I would note that I think God has a very interesting way in which he operates because some of the most notorious Word of Faith folks, including you think of the founders of TBN and others, they have died horrific deaths and despite their positive confessions were never able to avoid having that horrible death and and having diseases and dying in a way that everybody can see what's really going on. But at the same time, their followers and the people at the top have to constantly deny or undermine or discount what's really happening to them because the wages of sin is death and we've all got a payday coming, but they act like that payday isn't coming for them when in fact it always does.
0: Finally, how can we
1: avoid being deceived by the prosperity gospel by reading our bibles i know that sounds like a revolutionary idea but the scripture is very clear that we suffer in this lifetime and we have great examples in scripture of people who've suffered bodily ailments and difficulties and things like this, and their faith was never in the idea that they would somehow have perfect health in this lifetime, but instead that they were reconciled to God through the shed blood of Christ and that they were looking for a city whose builder is God. And so when you read the Scriptures without the lens of word of faith, what you see is that Christians are called to rejoice in their sufferings, and Christians have a very realistic understanding of why it is that we suffer, and that's because of our sin. But not on only that, When through a careful reading of Scripture, we don't overstate the promises of God. We stay within the limits of the promises of God and adjust our expectations and hope according to the scriptures and so what the Word of Faith does is try to pull the promises of what's coming in the new earth and pull them into the present using their faith-filled words, and it never works that way. We, on the other hand, embracing what the scripture says, we rejoice in our sufferings, keep our eyes on Christ, pray to God in the midst of our difficulty and trouble, and know that God is going to see us through, even though we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we all do, that on the other end of our suffering and death is finally seeing our Savior face to face, being with him in heaven, and then when he returns, when he establishes the new earth, being raised from the dead in bodies that will have perfect health. We have these promises in the world to come They are not promises in the present world that we live in. And just knowing your Bible and staying within those limits and not seeking an answer to these problems that is an aberration or a twisting of Scripture keeps us firm in our faith, even in the midst of the difficulties that we're all called to go through.
0: Pastor Chris Roseborough is pastor of Conspinger Lutheran Church in Oslo, Minnesota. He's creator and host of the YouTube channel Fighting for the Faith. He's author of a column For the August issue of the Lutheran Witness magazine titled Prosperity Gospel, A Heresy of False Promises, find out more about Fighting for the Faith at issuesetc.org. Click Talk On Demand Archives. Chris, thanks. Thank you, Todd. Issues Etc. has been brought to you in part this week by Luther Academy. Luther Academy produces the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics series. Check out the newest volume, Theological Anthropology and Sin, by Dr. Detlef Schultz at lutheracademy.com lutheracademy.com. Next week on Issues Etc., we'll continue our series with Pastor Will Whedon on the proper distinction between law and gospel. We'll discuss Roman Catholicism and concupiscence with Dr. Stephen Parks, and we'll look forward to Sunday morning with Pastors Peter Bender and Sean Denzer. I'm Todd Wilkin. Go to church on Sunday. Thanks for listening to Issues etc.
2: is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.